right, welcome again to another edition of the Red Reporter Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, PK. And alongside me this week, uh, we have Wick Terrell. Wick, how are you? I'm good, guys. Glad to have another episode rolling. Yeah, yeah. The season's uh, just just about here, so... The last then, one before uh, the season starts, I guess, right? Uh, probably. Yeah. Probably. We, we might we might sneak in another one uh, here. Right before opening point, day? But yeah. yeah, possibly. Possibly. Still, still some moving parts there, but... Um, and then also, uh, we have Eric Roseberry. Eric, how are you? I'm good. You know, I spent part of the day editing a, a chapter on the Diamondbacks farm system for something coming out, and I feel a lot better about where Cincinnati's at, so I'm feeling <laughs> yeah. good tonight. Yeah. It's... <laughs> the post-Kevin Towers, uh, Dave Stewart farm system? Yeah. It's not great. <laughs> not, not awesome. But didn't and they then just I... have the number one pick? <laughs> Got some yeah. bad news. Trans be Swans is great. <laughs> yeah. Good oars. About, about that. And uh, and with uh, without further ado, uh, you just heard him. Our uh, special guest this week uh, from the Cincinnati Enquirer, uh, see Trent Rosecrans. Trent, how are you? Well, good. I, I, I would go with guest. I don't know how special I am unless it's kind of a backhanded in, uh, compliment. But, <laughs> yeah, no, guest, guest. <laughs> Uh, so yeah reporting live from uh good year um so we're just gonna kind of get uh, his thoughts on the team so far and with you know we are officially as we record we are one week away from the season starting so still still plenty of moving parts though it's not like uh years past where the season the, the roster has been set in stone since uh, day one of spring training. There's still plenty of movement left. So so let's just go into, I guess, the, the news of the, the day and probably the biggest news of the week is that the Reds ended up releasing Ryan Rayburn. Um, so he was one of the guys that we were talking about uh, potentially getting a, a bench spot here. Um, let's just kind of go into what what that means kind of for him and what that means for you know, how the Reds are going to approach uh, their bench situation here leading into the season. Yeah, I was actually kind of surprised. I, I thought Rayburn kind of secured a spot on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it shows is that this they'll probably go with a, a four-man bench and an eight-man bullpen. And that means they need a lot of flexibility um, from those, well, basically three bench players because one is a backup catcher. Right. And and so or or it could mean that they're going to really try to keep Stuart Turner around, and so start the season with eight, uh, then do seven um, in the bullpen, but still have a third catcher, which would be kind of tough to do. Um, but you know, Turner's kind of impressed. the The thing with Turner is, is everybody knew his glove, and his bat is has looked pretty good here. Um, so maybe that's something into it. I wasn't around today, so I haven't really talked to anybody. I was like, uh, we talked before we went on air. I, I was driving back from um, Las Vegas where I watched the two exhibition games out there. Uh, so I, I think what it just shows is that they need flexibility on the bench, that they're going to probably go short, whether that means an eight man bullpen or a seven man bullpen and a third catcher. Um, so it, 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 it you have to have guys like, like I thought Rayburn and Arismondi Alcantara were on the team. Uh, I was wrong about one, but I think this reinforces that the other one is a lock. Right. right. 
Yeah, for me, the, the, the initial reaction I had was that, uh, you know, when you look up the way the season starts and there's always those built-in off days uh, because of April weather and from just kind of getting the season up and rolling, oftentimes you'll see teams kind of go with the exact opposite of what the Reds are doing, where they've got uh, a shortened bullpen and only maybe four starters they're currently carrying and the extra bench bat because they can, you know, they can rest guys on those off days. And so the fact that the Reds are doing uh, uh, the eight-man bullpen experience and the short bench at any point in time is kind of telling, but the fact they're doing it to start the season when they've got all those other things that suggest that maybe they they could have done the exact opposite like other teams, I think it's more of an indictment of how the pitching staff is still completely in flux, specifically the starters, as much as it is about Rayburn. Because it sounded like what Brian Price had to say today was that uh, Rayburn didn't do anything to not earn himself a spot. He's kind of a victim of the numbers game more than anything else. Well, for the most part, I mean, his defense at first was not real good. Um, and, and that could have hurt him as well because that limits him. Not that, not that first place is a place where you're going to get a lot of playing time. Um, you're not going to really pinch hit for the guy that's there <laughs> and that guy likes to play a lot. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it, it, again, like it, if there's playing time at first base, you have bigger issues. Um, yeah. but, Ryan, but Ryan yeah, Rayburn is not the solution at that point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the solution there is the final solution. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I, I guess it's also what they kept emphasizing was the fact that having guys with options and that flexibility that you mentioned too, and right, and and Kivlehan has has shown. Uh, in theory, he can cover the corner of the infield if need be. Plus, he's also got that ability to get shipped out to Louisville if they need to, you know, bring rookie Davis up or whoever else is that that other pitcher they're trying to work into that rotation there as well. And that's obviously a huge issue for them. No, you're you're absolutely right there, and that's where Alcantara doesn't have options, but he plays shortstop, which is huge. Yeah. Um, but like Kivelhans yeah. looked much better at third base than I expected this spring. Um, you know, it, it hasn't been one of those glaring things, and sometimes you see those. I'm trying to remember yeah. who it was at third base last year, where you're just like, "Woo." Um, <laughs> Yeah, it almost seems like he's been the opposite of what Duvall was because Duvall came up as right. a third Right, that's player. exactly who I was thinking of, Duvall. Yeah. Um, Duvall never, was, was pretty yeah. rough out there at third last year. Um, yeah, I, I, I hear always, people I wanting thought, him to I go thought, back there all the time, yeah, and, and I, people I, who I, want him to go back there haven't watched him play there. Yeah, I, I thought of uh, Kivlihan as a corner outfielder. I never thought of him as a, as a potential third baseman, and now it seems like he's got ample capability to at least cover there in a pinch. Yeah, you know, the anti-Duval or uh, Alex Gordon. Yeah. Like Bizarro. Yeah. Bizarro, <laughs> Duval, Gordon. <laughs> well, hopefully it works out. Hopefully that's another, uh, I don't want to say scrap heap, but I guess under the radar, uh, late-blooming prospect pickup for them. Well, you, you got a guy who's got really good athleticism and some power, and mm-hmm. those are good things to have. You know, Kivlehan is a late-bloomer, like you said, but a lot of that's because he didn't play – play um until he was a, a senior in college because he was a football player he's a safety at Rutgers um that's the kind of athlete he is and you know it it takes a little while so he's a little bit older um but you miss 3 years of baseball that's going to that's going to mess with some things the Amir Garrett path almost yeah right exactly um actually I mi- shoot you guys reminded me there's like, you know how you always have, or I don't know if you know this, but like you guys write all the time and you always have these like ideas in the back and like, it's like, Oh yeah, I forgot. And I've done half of the stuff for that. I mean, you guys have all been there. I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. And I have one like on multi-sport guys because I wanted to talk, I talked to Kivlahan and um, 
Amir Garrett early, and I was going to get Taylor Trammell because here's a kid uh, in the minor league yeah. system who was mm-hmm. a great football player um, and made the great choice not to go to Georgia Tech because it's always a good choice <laughs> not to go to Georgia Tech. Um, and it's wow. the second year in a row, Tech's lost out by the Reds because Tyler Stevenson was going to play baseball at Tech uh, but signed with the Reds instead. That's right. I forgot about Stevenson. That's right. How is Tyler Stevenson, by the way? Just a, a random off-topic question. Yeah, I, I, I've talked to him. I've seen him briefly, and um, I've heard good things. But, uh, you know, with the, the minor leagues, I try to get out to the backfields as much as possible, but it's it's impossible to catch everybody. And it seems like every time I go out, it's the double-A, triple-A teams and not the two-A the teams that are back there. Right on. The next place that I want to go is uh, the pitching staff. Now, you know, obviously the Reds still have <laughs> – they have really two rotation spots locked up, and kind of everything else is up in the air as to what I'd they're going to do. I'd say two and a half. It. Yeah. With, I mean, uh, if, if Bronson Arroyo like survives the plane flight um, yeah. back to Cincinnati, I, I, I think he's in. Yeah, yeah I just uh, read Zach's story on that just now, actually, before we went on. So, yeah, it, it seems like uh, they have a couple of spots locked up. Um, you know, obviously the fact that Bronson Arroyo is about to make the rotation for this team is a really Telling. jarring thing. For, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a pretty telltale sign of what's to come here with this pitching staff. Um, you, do you have any any thoughts as far as who they like in the other two spots, or are you going to be as blindsided as we are when, uh, when they announce it? I don't know that I'll be blindsided. I think I'll be prepared for anything. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, either of either way, I'm saying I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, all all five of those or four of those really young guys had given them um, a good reason to pick them going into this this last little bit of the rotation, and then they've all struggled in this last one. I think it was the the jobs were still up. For them to grab a hold of and um everybody is left question marks on the table um right. so it, it'll be really interesting to see what they decide and i think that that should be coming soon um right you know i don't i don't see them like you know rolling into louisville on um friday for that exhibition game and being like uh okay we're going back and then loading up the bus and be like not you <laughs> <laughs> you stay here. Yeah. Uh, to, to um, me, it's almost the, the biggest question becomes like if they are committed to doing that eight man bullpen, you know, with I'm doing air quotes over here. Um, it, are guys like Cody Reed or Robert Stevenson or Tim Edelman, who have always been kind of, you know, pigeonholed into nothing but the starting rotation conversation. Do you think they would bring maybe even two of those guys uh, to be long men and or rotational fifth starters uh, because really they're, they're part of the, you know, the, their peer group that can't get past three and a half, four innings. I really do. And I think that's, that's probably something you might see. And, and, you know, Brian Price has talked a lot about maybe using Stevenson Reed or, or um, Sal Romano out of the bullpen and kind of getting them starting their career, their big league careers that way. And that's something, I mean, seems like the Cardinals have done that with every big starter they've had come yeah. up through the system the last couple of years. And, and, and those results have worked. I mean, I don't, I don't know if yeah. it's the perfect thing, but it, it certainly says that 
it is a possibility and it can work. I don't know that if it means it will, but it, it's it's a viable option. And, you know, Price has said several times, he goes, I can see those guys. I, I would actually almost be surprised if one of those guys wasn't in the bullpen. And, right. and, and I'm not even counting Adelman in that. Um, one of those young guys I would expect to start the season in the bullpen. Right. And it'll be interesting to see. And I, I think it's kind of good because, again, we're talking about guys who – I mean, I don't think it's like an eight-man eight uh, commitment to an eight-man bullpen. I think it's like just looking around and being like, whoa, we got to have, <laughs> gotta have some, some bodies who can throw here. And, I mean – Ernani Rabarn has thrown some some quite a few uh, innings in the minor leagues, so I mean that's <laughs> what you're looking at next. Yeah, yeah, you got 22 games or whatever it is in April, and nine innings a game. You got to get to 195, 198 innings, and yeah, based on yeah. what we've seen the last couple of weeks, you can't see anybody really going past four or five in any one given instance. You know how far do you Tyler Holt's not here anymore. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, so no more Skip Schumacher innings. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so it's, we joke, but like you just kind of look at it and it's like, you know, either you have old guys or young guys. And um, mm. Finnegan is the one that you feel best about. And that's, you know, a year ago we were like yeah. saying, oh, I don't know that he can start a full season. And he actually did. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's still just, what, 23, about to be 24 years old. And that's the guy yeah, that I we're think he's kind like, of, you know, banking on. So. Yeah. Exactly. I think he's one day either older or younger than Cody Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is, that's, it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing that that's kind of, I mean, obviously there's, there's plenty of depth behind that. And we're talking about the, the fears of the opening day uh, rotation and staff. And obviously that's, you know, uh, the issue because Homer Bailey's bumped back until, you know, June or July. Discofani's bumped back until probably early June, hopefully early June. Yeah. Uh, Amir Garrett is, you know, he's, He's already – he'll be 25 this year, and uh, you know they don't want to start his clock immediately despite the fact that he'd still be, what, 30, 31 years old by the time he ever reached free agency. Yeah, I don't think they – that's as big an issue with Amir that it is maybe some other people. And, 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 and easily, honestly, when we talk about the clock, um, it's easier to kind of manipulate that with a pitcher. Right. Because you can always do like, oh, we need to send them down to Louisville for a little bit to uh, to get some rest or like play around with the all-star yeah. break. Yeah. Uh, and there's always those type of opportunities. What you don't want to do is one of those guys to – because like with, say, like with Jesse Winker, if he comes up and he takes that opportunity, he plays every day, that's great. But it's also what is twenty one days in the minor leagues hurt if if right. if that were to happen. And I'm not saying that's gonna happen because I think they give a little longer leash to both Adam Duvall and Scott Shebler than that. Um, but it's still a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with Garrett you look up and you say, and, Okay, well. and yeah, we have to look at remember, injuries are gonna make everything move. Um, yeah. because people are gonna get hurt. It happens. They already ha- and, they have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and throughout the season, I mean, you know, remember we were talking about, I think there's this big thing when they signed Bronson Arroyos, oh, he's going to take innings away from people. It's like, they need innings, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> to overreact uh, bef- before a season for a 162-game season, 
you know, you just have to, it, you kind of get that tunnel vision sometimes and you need to step back and go, oh yeah, um, there's a 162 games and really 162 games that are more about development than winning. Yeah. I mean, we look up last year and what, what Tim Melville and AJ Morris and Josh, right. Josh yeah. Smith and yeah. AJ Morris had forgotten about AJ Morris. Uh, there's somebody, uh, there's, there, there was a fourth go-to in that group of, you'll never remember these five years from now. Yeah. Oh, it's with the angels now. now. Steve uh, Delabar, JC uh, Ramirez. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. JC Ramirez there. has been great for the Angels this year. Yeah. The, the yeah. other guy yeah. for the Angels I'm thinking of. Um, oh, Chris O'Grady? Can, uh, no. Um, uh, Chris O'Grady was a Rule 5 guy. Right. Uh, uh, no, he started I, several games and he came up from Pensacola. Um, oh, uh, Dan Wright. Daniel, Daniel Wright. Wright. Yeah. Daniel Wright. Yeah. Tenth rounder. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, right. it, I mean it, that's it, what it, we're it, talking it, about. Yeah, and when guys like Johnny Cueto and Mike Leake got traded for pitching prospects, at the time we look up and say, why are they trading for so many pitching prospects? What the heck? John Lamb, now with the Angels also, too, I think. So, yes, uh, I yes. mean, you, you look up and the, suddenly the uh, the injury bug and how all these things tend to typically play out inevitably does play out. You know, uh, you know, we looked up before Brandon Phillips finally agreed to get traded, which is a whole side topic in all of this. Uh, we wondered how the middle infield for the Reds was going to shake out with Phillips and Cozart and Peraza and Dilson Herrera. And then a week into camp, you find out Dilson Herrera can't throw. Brandon Phillips is gone, and suddenly Zach Cozart is going to have to play absolutely every day at shortstop. So, yeah, these these things always tend to have a way of working themselves out, whether you want them to or not. Right. I was talking to Wayne Krivsky the other day. And, you know, I was like, hey, Wayne, remember when everybody said uh, you're crazy for signing a fourth, uh, for trading for a fourth second baseman? <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 That worked out for him. Yeah. That worked out pretty well. He was, you yeah. know, and I was like, I said, um, you know, you, you had a pretty good, like, two weeks that week, that year. That was 05, yeah. or was yeah. it 06? 06. 06. Yeah. And, like, within two weeks near the end of spring training, he did the, the Brandon Phillips trade and the Bronson Arroyo trade. And he's like, oh, yeah. And I saved, signed David Ross, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Was I had forgotten about the Ross. Was it Tony Womack? Tony Womack was yeah. the opening day starter at second base. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Good Lord. What a 10 years it's been. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, I actually, for a story, it's funny you, you mentioned that. For a story last night. Um, for our special section, I was going through the uh, 2007 Baseball America Prospect Handbook and doing the top 30 team, uh, the top 30 prospects from 2007. And, I mean, you do this for every – this isn't just the Reds. This is everybody. Um, there are some names on there that you just totally had forgotten. Justin Reed, um, you know, BJ Zemanski, Rafael Gonzalez. I'm oh, like yeah. – you know, number thirty prospects. Some guy named Josh Hamilton. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. What's funny? Yeah. What's funny when you list off all these names for us because we've we've made a habit over the years. And BK, you know this better than anybody else because you spent so much time doing it. Uh, yeah. For the farmers only that we go through and we write, it's become kind oh, of yeah. a, ha- a habit slash a joke of establishing nicknames as early as possible for these guys. So that you actually get some sort of name recognition while they're playing in Billings or uh, Chattanooga right. when it was back then and all that jazz. So you, you bring up these names and instantly I'm trying to run back through all the nicknames that got put in for all those guys. Uh, that's how funny. About, yeah, how about this? I was, I was going through um, – I'm writing this story. 
Uh, Joey Votto in 2006, the Baseball America, he was number nine in the red system between Tyler Pellin and Travis Chick. Yeah, um, wow. Wow. You know, in 2004, he was number five between between Dustin Mosley and Phil Dumatre. Oh, Phil Dumatre, yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 slurvy, um, the slurvy lefty, yeah. But, That's a blast but the yeah. 07, you know, when you have Homer Bailey one, uh, Jay Bruce two, Johnny uh, Joey Votto three, and and uh, Johnny Cueto four. Yeah, and that that shows why they won. You know, they were in the playoffs three out of four years. Yeah, three three four years later. It's like you you mentioned that, and that's that literally was that era right there. That two thousand seven, two thousand six, two thousand eight uh, era was why I actually found Red Reporter uh, because yeah. for the first time in forever. Uh, I was extremely excited about the future of the Reds and started – I think it was yahooing back there. I hadn't quite got around to Googling at that point um, <laughs> and stumbled upon this this random Cincinnati Reds site that was talking about the future of the system and how good it was and how bright it was. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's crazy to have – And they were like, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, Joel Lookup, imagine that. I actually knew what the heck he was yeah. talking about back then. So, um, but, but it's funny now. You know, when like, you look at these lists, it's about creating big leaguers. And it's not always, you know, your top guys. But, like, they had the four we mentioned, Drew Stubbs, Travis Wood, um, Paul Yanish, Chris Valeka, Sam LeCure, uh, Chris Dickerson, um, yeah. John Kutlangas, Jordan Smith. Brad Salmon, Juan Francisco, Norris Hopper, uh, Josh Hamilton. That doesn't include, um, I, I think, is still in the system then, but but not anywhere in this list. This guy, Justin Turner. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. Who got, who got yeah. Ramon Hernandez, right? Yeah. Ramon Hernandez. Yeah. 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 It, but from the Orioles. Yeah. And then he went <laughs> from the Orioles to the Mets to the, to the, uh, the Dodgers. I mean, this yeah. is – these things aren't a straight line and it's, it's amazing to look at how they do it. Yeah. It's, it, they did better than they probably got credit for with some of these yeah. guys. Just, I mean, know, just yeah, drafting you at least. The, the Rays were the number one team um, in the talent rankings that year. The Reds were number 12. So let's see, what does Tampa have? Their number one guy, um, Delman Young. Right. But, Evan Longoria, that was pretty good. Um, Reed Brignac, Wade Davis, Jeremy Hellickson. Um, but after that, there's not Wade Townsend, Desmond Jennings, who's now with the Reds. I mean, but there's not. I, I think if I mean because of Votto and um, and Hamilton, you you probably I haven't done this, and I I just don't have the time to do it. I would like to do it if I was better at computers. I'd like to look at the war of all those teams, all 30 teams. And I think the Reds might have a pretty good, good chance. Um, yeah. Because A, yeah. there's no Mike Trout and B, um, you know, Hamilton and Votto. Yeah. It's but also some of those in Cueto. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's what I was going to mention is it's impressive because it's not just anchored by one or two specific guys in terms of position prospects. It's, you know, phenomenal pitching, phenomenal around the diamond uh, position prospect guys too. It's it's a it's a yeah. it's a it's a literally a diamond wide uh, excellent example of how well they scouted through that entire period. Yeah, well, and I think too, like part of that is the Reds list. When you look at some of the role players, just 
Like, right. not, even if some guys weren't, you know, high-profile major leaguers, like everyday guys, you know, you look at a Sam LeCure who, you know, was college pitcher, really was looking like a quadruple-A guy, and he had a couple of really productive bullpen years and really was a key part of some of those Reds teams. So, yeah, yeah. you, know, yeah. you, you yeah. need guys like that to pan out, too, even if, right. you know, not all, all right. of the big guys do. A hundred percent. And I, I think that's a great point and something to always remember is, I mean, you need role guys too. And a lot of times those role guys don't, they're not going to give you that big war number, um, just the way the war is, right. is, is based, but they're going to be valuable and they're going to create, create some value. And I, I think it's important to remember and they've, they've got to come from somewhere. Right. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that just because looking up and kind of like, you know, connecting back to the Ryan Rayburn talk we had earlier. Uh, in cutting Rayburn, that basically leaves Jennings as the, the, the veteran on the bench at age, what, 30? Um, and the other guys that they're mm-hmm. projecting to kind of make the team, uh, if Alcantara does, if, if it's Kivlahan, if it's Tony Rinda, um, aside from Hernan Irabar and all the rest of the guys that look like they're going to be bench uh, bats, even Stuart Turner, if it's him, um, they're mid twenties guys. They're not the Jack Hanahan's and the Skip Schumacher's of the recent Reds teams. Um, I, I wonder if that's kind of happenstance because they had the opportunity to claim these guys because uh, they were so high on the waiver uh, order, or if it's kind of a, a a concept that they looked up and said, "Hey, we need to get younger. We need to get more versatile and more athletic." Because that's certainly how it looks uh, like the roster is going to take shape. I think they really looked at versatility and the, you know, Alcantara is a guy I've always kind of liked. Um, and and yeah. he's got a pretty good skill set. He struggled at first at shortstop, but really since that first week it's short, um, he's, he's been fine. And that's, um, if you can play short and center and run a little bit, that's a valuable bench player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we look up at what, like guys like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think in recent memory who have been able to do something like that. Like Chris Negron had a fantastic year off the bench doing that and got, you know, upwards of 152 in plate appearances, which I think Alcantara will get mm-hmm. more of this year. Jose Peraza kind of filled that role last year uh, by default. Um, but yeah, I think if you can do that in quantity and be versatile enough to be patient to, to wait and maybe not play for three or four days, but then play when somebody gets hurt for two straight weeks, uh, I think Alcantara fits that mold perfectly almost. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Wow. So I'm sorry. I go through um, one of my favorite things in the world to do is to go through old drafts. Um, and this <laughs> oh, just shows you, you know, like baseball drafts. I, yeah, this does, that does sound like, wow, I, fun time at the Rosecrans household. Um, <laughs> let's party and look at this 2002 draft. But um, I, I was talking to a, to a buddy of mine, uh, Pedro Mora, who, who covers the A's for the um, – or the angels for the Los Angeles times. And he was doing something on the Mike Trout draft in 2009. And just talking about how all these teams had a chance to have Mike Trout. Oh, um, yeah. And, and honestly, you look at the reds and they have one of the more understandable picks. So they're like, Oh, we're about to contend. We need a, a pitcher close to the big leagues. And they took Mike leak. Um, you know, I bet Mike Leak is probably higher in the list of career war from those first round picks than his slot in the draft. He was like, oh, at nine? Mm-hmm. I bet he's, I think he's like sixth in career war. Um, yeah. That'd be everybody. And, and six years everybody later. Everybody trails. 
Yeah, so six years later, it was worthy of a $90 million contract, too. So it's not like he, you know, it was a flash in the pan. It's obviously he's been well-received throughout that process. But, yeah, I, right. I also And the Reds back, got Duvall. Yeah, they did. Off of that. Yeah. Uh, I do look back and I wonder if the Corey Seager draft is going to end up being like, obviously not quite Mike Trout level, uh, but some of the names that were in that particular year, I wonder if that's going to be the one that we look back, you know, four or five years down the road and say, oh, man, where was that? Yeah, and the story I'm going to do later this year, um, I'm probably tipping my hat, hopefully tipping my cap, and hopefully nobody, you guys don't do this big story now and make <laughs> me not be able to do it. But I was because uh, I'm writing about Joey Votto and his development for um, our special section, but the Joey Votto draft. So so right. think about 2002. What do we know about 2002 draft? Do you, you guys know off the top of your head? 2002. That, uh, was, that wasn't Matt Bush. Matt Bush was 2004. 2002 would have been what? Uh, that's the Moneyball draft. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. right. That's right. And and I mean, you think about the the Moneyball in that era, Billy Bean. Who would be the most Moneyball player ever <laughs> for for <laughs> Billy Bean that year? Oh, like the, 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 from from the movie, the uh, Scott, you can play first base, no big deal. Like Votto was a catcher from Canada. Like exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how many picks? Vado was taken with the third pick overall in, in the um, in the second round. Second round, like yeah. forty second. Yeah, in the second round. Right? Yeah, yeah, 44th, I think. Do you know how many picks the A's had before the forty fourth pick? Oh no, seven. Oh, <laughs> I'm not kidding. They took Nick Swisher. That's defensible. I mean, yeah. that's a that's a good. That's a great. Joe pick. Blanton again. John McCurdy with twenty sixth overall. Ben Fritz at 30, the infamous Jeremy Brown at 35, <laughs> um, Steve <laughs> Openchain at 37, <laughs> and Mark Tehan, Mark Tehan at 39. Yeah, it became so kind of Billy like, Bean. Yeah, That's right. I mean, because, well, they were going after the college bats, and that was the big thing. It's like, oh, we don't need, you know, we don't. High schools are too risky right. um, because you don't know the competition. And then I'm guessing for them, Canadian high schools are even more poison. But they had seven picks to get Joey Votto. <laughs> and didn't. Yeah, but that's, that's the, fact, the fact that they actually even took a catcher in Jeremy Brown, who <laughs> obviously Moneyball was he, – he was very much featured in that, but – you know, yeah, they passed on a catcher named Joey Votto at that. That's crazy. Yeah, seven picks. That blew my mind. Yeah. I didn't even think of it that way until um, I actually went to a book signing. Do you guys know who Tabitha Soren is? Anybody old enough for that? Yeah, I remember Tabitha Soren. Absolutely. Well, she's Michael Lewis's wife. Oh, really? And oh. Yeah, and she's, she did a book, a photography book of the Moneyball class. And and the um, the drafts the the um, the A's drafts picks of that year and, and and followed them throughout their careers. And she had a, a books or a, a, like a lecture talk or something at the Phoenix Art Museum. And uh, Mark Sheldon and I went to that earlier this year. And um, and then it, it dawned on me that it all came back comes back to this. And so that was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's wild. And we got a Tabitha Soren reference on the podcast. Can we get like Kurt Loader and Downtown Judy Brown, and everybody else? <laughs> yes. Like that—that's that, fantastic. Wow, 
<laughs> yeah, Zach had no idea who Tabitha Soren was. And I, was like, and I even got MTV News, and he like looks at me blank, and I'm like, oh, oh I'm man. so old. Oh man, <laughs> he, that's rough. That's kids. rough. <laughs> oh lord. So, well, I guess as we're looking back through like you know the way the Reds used to be and how all these drafts panned out, um, we've mentioned a little bit how. In 2007, 2008, the Reds had these great prospects that were not just well-regarded that actually panned out. Um, but the team's mm-hmm. win-loss record at the time really wasn't very good. Um, the hope is in all of this is that what we're going through right now is kind of similar to what was happening back then, where they're accumulating a lot of great prospects, some through trade, a lot through draft. Um, do you see any similarities between those two? Um, and how different is it being in a clubhouse watching that than it was kind of in like 2012, 2013 when they're winning 90 games left and right. Yeah, it's different. Um, and a lot of that is just the different personalities. Um, yeah, I know that's a really know. odd question. Sorry about that. But it, it, is, it yeah. is. No, no, that's fine. Um, and, and I'm giving you a really broad, terrible answer. Um, <laughs> the, you know, I know I've, I've been around like daily. I've only been around Reds clubhouses, but like, I know other guys who talk about like, you know, you have some clubhouses that seem that they're all together and it's this great atmosphere and they're winning, but you also have some where they're winning and nobody's talking and nobody's doing anything. Um, So much of that I think can be overstated because um, this is one of my least favorite words, but I I, I get it. Um, It's an easy narrative sometimes. And you know what? It's like, oh yeah, you know, most times when people are winning at the professional level, they're they're happier than when they're losing. Um, and so, I think that can get overblown. But I think there's also something to be said for people coming to work and being excited to come to work, and also having people who um, having examples to do things the right way. Um, Joey Votto isn't a guy who is going to go put his arm around someone and go, Hey Rook, come with me. Yeah. <laughs> but honestly, like last year, the biggest thing I thought of my biggest takeaway of last year was early in the season. You know, I'd noticed that Billy Hamilton would go out early and what he was doing was watching Joey Votto and at some point, um, he's watching Joey Votto take BP, early BP, um, do early work, and they start talking. Um, before too long, you'll see, you'll hear um, Hamilton every day, Jovo, what time are we hitting? And that was his thing. He was going to go out and do that early work with Joey Votto every, uh, every day. And he talked about how it just... You know, he just tried to learn from him and talk to him and think about things, you know. And when you look at the second half of Billy Hamilton's season, was that it? I I don't know if this was causation or correlation or just coincidence, but he really improved his on base. He walked more. um, He did some more things. Now, that's a short sample size of a half a season Um, and and really not even half a season because he missed the last month. Um, but it is an interesting story. And if it does stick a little bit, you say, yeah, there was a lot of crap and it was a pretty bad year in 2016, 
But if Billy Hamilton turns out to be the Billy Hamilton that can get on base at what three thirty, and, and that's not that high of a bar. That's yeah. a little bit higher than average. But if he's an, a three thirty on base guy, and for the next three years, that's where he is. That's a five. You would player. say that's yeah. a <laughs> right, awesome. exactly. Yeah. You know, you would say, well, two thousand sixteen. That's one of the big things you can take out of it. And you can say that, hey, you know, we saw what Brandon Finnegan could do. Um, you know, and so I, I think, you know, people are asking me, like, I want to know what's a success this year. And I was like, it's tough to say that um, because you're going to be surprised and there's going to be hindsight. Um, you know, 2007, eight, I remember that's when Homer Bailey got his feet wet. Jay Bruce got his feet wet. Joey Votto got his feet wet. Johnny Cueto got his feet wet. Um, those things weren't always pretty, but it led to 2010, 12 and 13. Since you brought up Hamilton, Trent, do you buy into the elevated walk rate toward the end of the season, more ground balls? Do you think there's been a little bit of a shift or is it just too, too little info to tell yet? I think it's too hard to tell yet. Um, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a, such a, you know, like I said, I mean, it's a small sample. Um, I think there's an ability there, um, but you, you just don't know yet. Um, I think there's hope because, uh, again, it, it, it correlates with that, that nice narrative. Um, and if that really does work, I mean, that's, I, I don't know. I mean, that's my bottom line is Billy Hamilton is a defensive player is going to be worth being in your lineup. Um, if he's somewhere around, you know, plus or minus 10 points of league average on base percentage, he's worthy of the top of your lineup. But if he's not, he's still a pretty worthy defender. I mean, we saw it in the last month when Billy Hamilton wasn't out there, the pitching staff wasn't as good. And I think there was really a belief. I mean, I really think that's a big part of it. He's such a dynamic outfielder. And he's quite honestly, Billy Hamilton is, if, if he could pick the best situation for himself, um, at worst great American ballpark is the worst possible place that Billy Hamilton can play. Yeah. Because it's a small outfield, which decreases his defensive value. And it also decreases his potential for hits. Um, because there's less surface area and it's easier to catch the ball in the air from where he is. I mean, if he played in Colorado, I harp on this all the time. I think he's an all-star, you know, those, that big, big expansive outfield, some of those things can fall in for hits. I mean, he's, he's got doubles for days on just what are general um, base hits. Yeah. Not to mention his defensive run save. Like I I remember looking up recently at a Kevin Kiermeyer article talking about how vastly beyond Billy Hamilton's numbers defensively Kiermeyer's had over the last few years and looking up and saying, actually I took it back. It was uh, when I was looking at Desmond Jennings. uh, That's when I stumbled Mm -hmm. across Kiermeyer and looking up at the park factors in Tampa and seeing how much bigger that ballpark plays. You give Billy Hamilton three to four extra full strides on defense to track balls down when he's not running into the walls, he's going to get them. Like he's going to get all of them. And that's what Kiermaier has done. And he just landed a $50 million contract as a result. Um, But yeah, it's crazy to think uh, actually that speaking of old, old Reds days, I do remember having this discussion with somebody uh, in the Chris Heisey, Drew Stubbs center field debate um, and saying Mm -hmm. that, that, that Drew Stubbs was kind of miscast 
uh, in the home ballpark of Great American because his greatest strength, they didn't get a chance to get value out of it. Whereas Heisey wasn't as good of a defensive center fielder, but I thought his offense might have been able to recoup some of that value while playing in Great American. Um, this is completely off. That's why they played Chu at center. Yeah. That's why they played Chu in center because they could. Yeah. Um, You know, and I remember having this discussion with Jay Bruce. I was talking to Jay about, you know, DRS and and all these, the the defensive fielding numbers. He goes, you know, when I had my best year statistically on on those numbers or when Shinsu Chu was in, when Chu was in center because I got those balls. And when Billy's there, my range factor is not great because it doesn't have to be. <laughs> yeah, why, why should it be? Yeah, there's no reason right. for it. Yeah. yeah, You know, his his range is, factor is going to be much lower because Billy's is wider. Yeah. And, I remember and so, I mean, park factors fall into that so much. I mean, Kiermaier, I think, is amazing. But I, 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 I would love to see... I don't, I mean, you guys might know this better than I haven't looked at like park neutralized of those numbers. And I just don't know that you can actually physically do that. Um, I'm sure somebody, some smart person really has. Um, but it, it, it is, it is certainly a factor. Statcast probably is in the process of kind of delineating that at this point, which is, yeah, watching what they've done right. has been awesome, awesome to pull off. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, if we've run out of things to talk about, Trent, will Jose Peraza draw a walk this spring? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. I if, if the over under is 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 one, I'm I'm going to take the over. <laughs> <laughs> He's running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean that's interesting. He hasn't taken one in 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 spring. But I mean Peraza is such that throwback kind of. I mean. He's that throwback guy, and you know, you, there's the old saying: you don't walk off the island, even though Venezuela isn't an island. Um, <laughs> yeah. but like you know, like Ichiro, you know, Ichiro isn't a guy who walked. These guys that have good contact skills and good speed, um, you know, every player is different. And I, I you know, I, I was looking back, and you know, you don't want a Joey Votto to swing at everything. And you don't want um, Jose Peraza to to not. I mean, I think there are different things, and sure, ideally he would take more. But one of his his, his biggest skill is putting the bat on the baseball, and um, when you couple that with above average speed, that's a good thing. Um, it would be better if he walked a little bit more, but we'll see. And again, I mean, these are terribly small sample sizes. Yeah. And that's something to always remember. I mean, Joey Votto was hitting 191 last I looked, and I will take the over on that as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with Peraza, it'd be one thing if he was striking out 20, 25% of the time, but he's not. Right. And uh, I do remember there was one – it might have been a Brewers broadcast. It was one of the, the, the opposing MLB TV feeds I was watching earlier this year on one of the games, and they were talking about the fact that he hadn't walked yet. Um, and he was in the process of fouling off like seven pitches in a row. And so he got to like a 10 or 11 pitch at bat before I think he popped out. But still, like, it's not like he's striking out and not taking any pitches and swinging at the first pitch and putting it in play. He's trying to barrel the bat and he does a lot. And so I'm, I'm yeah. less concerned about the walk, you know, with him. It, it's not as much of an issue because he does the other aspect very, very well. You know, he's looked better at short the little the little time he's played short than I've had scouts who say that that he's he, they've he's been better at short than they expected and that they remembered. Interesting. 
Um, and so that's that's something to to think about because you know I, I don't think Zach Cozart's going to be here at the end of the year. And right. um, for shortstops, you have Peraza, Vinci, um, and then a lower down is Alfredo Rodriguez. Alfredo Rodriguez is going to be here this year. Um, Zach Vinci may be, but it, it, once for Para- Cozart is gone, Peraza is probably going to be at shortstop. Yeah. It's almost like yeah, he was I mean, worth trading or oldest Chapman and or Todd Frazier for him. If you think about it. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's no Glaber Torres. <laughs> that's I mean, true. That's, that's true. I mean, that, it, it, that, that trade is going to be the one that haunts them forever. And uh, there's so many things on that. They couldn't have picked a worse time to trade him. Yeah. And um, they did pick the worst time to trade him. And, and that's that's tough. And I, I know, yeah, it'll, it'll be one that lives forever, especially considering what the Yankees got in return for even less time. Um, but, you know, I, I still remember I talked to somebody with the Astros and the Reds in 2015, the Reds were talking to the Astros and, you know, the, the guy I talked to said the Reds were asking for the moon plus for Chapman. Yeah. As they should have. And, uh, yeah. and, but I, I talked to, I talked to somebody with the Astros and said, Hey, Knowing what you know now, and, and remember, think about the 2015 Astros. Um, you know, they if they have a role as Chapman, they beat the Royals. Yeah. And they probably go to the World Series. And so this is afterwards. I said, knowing what you know now, would you give up what the Reds were asking for Chapman? And a guy goes, no. And that's for a year and a half of Chapman. Yeah. That's how much apparently they were asking. Oh, yeah. And well, then oh. to, you know, three months later – taking you know a deal that I'm, I, I'm guessing you know Brian Cashman couldn't get that paperwork in fast enough <laughs> yeah uh. although I'll say you know rookie Davis has been the guy this spring he's looked like the guy that was with the Yankees and not the guy who was with the Reds last year and rookie said it much of it was he's he was hurt last year in his legs and with his legs back he's been consistently 95 you know He's been pitching that ninety three to ninety six range, and and I've gotten a lot of good reports on him. Yeah, that's a solid. You know, that's that's not a minor increase. That's four to five miles an hour on average over what he was getting. Right. Last year. Yeah. I mean, it, and that's not Glaber Torres. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> you know, in, in no way, shape, and form am I saying that that was a good deal. Yeah. Um, but you know, at, at this point, you move on and say, well, this is the guy we got. Let's see what he does. Well, although now you've got me thinking about what George Springer would look like in the outfield for the Reds right now, and that's that's haunting me. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, really, man, or Alex Bregman, well, uh, man, I sorry, <laughs> I can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah, wow. but uh, I guess with that, we're we're gonna wrap up. I think we're right about at our time. So um, cool. So. Uh, Make sure to look in the Enquirer for uh, Trent stuff. Follow him on Twitter at ctrent. Um, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Red Reporter. Um, and if if you're searching for another thing to listen to after this, uh, the Reds Beat podcast that we put out every Wednesday. Yes. Um, oh yeah. Me and, yeah. Me and Zach. Uh, yeah. And then th- this week, I think uh, we're supposed to record with Dick Williams tomorrow. 
Right on. Um, oh, nice. So that, sh- nice. that should be out Wednesday. Mm. Um, so if you want to listen to that, we're, we're kind of feeling our way through these things. And, um, you know, this spring we did a lot of different guests and um, different writers where we talk about other teams. But I kind of like that because so often I think there's tunnel vision on one team, and it's kind of nice right. to, to look around. So we talked to, like, we had Rustin Dodd of the Kansas City Star – um, because you know, I, I think there's some interesting parallels between that that Royals run and the Reds. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We had um, Andy McCullough of the Los Angeles Times, uh, Pedro Mora of the Los Angeles Times. So we had lots of Mike Trout talk last week, <laughs> and um, I mean, you can't get enough Mike Trout talk. Oh yeah. Because it's amazing. Um, <laughs> just. Like, you know, Pedro apparently, you know, he's not the Angels beat writer. He's the Mike Trout beat writer. Um, yeah, yeah. And so there, there's some interesting stuff. I mean, because it's – this guy's – like, it's amazing that I think Mike Trout is underrated. He's massively underrated. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, but his team is obviously a part of it. But you think back to – He's considered the best player in baseball and he's underrated. Yeah. You That's think back, how good he is. You think back to how good A-Rod was when he was peak A-Rod and playing for a terrible team in Texas. At least people still knew every bit about who he was. He was still front-page mm-hmm. news. Trout's been that good, if not better, and you hear nothing about him hardly at all. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I heard a stat the other day, uh, or today. I was listening. I think it was on the Ringer podcast, their MLB show, that Mike Trout's never finished lower than second in MVP voting in his career. <laughs> <laughs> It got robbed at least twice, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was, again, underrated. And was 23. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> well. I, I hope- so at the very least, we live in a world with Mike Trout, and so it can't be all that bad. It can't be that bad. And you get to follow Joey Votto on a daily basis. We do, too. And, and watch Billy Hamilton. And watch Billy Hamilton. Yeah. And while it might not be Mike Trout, it's still damn entertaining <laughs> one way or another. So. Well, that's what I would always say. Like, you know, two years ago, I was like, I watch Joey Votto hit every day, Billy Hamilton run the outfield every day, and I got a chance to see a role as Chapman. Yeah. I mean, right. yeah. Yeah. It, 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 to me, and maybe this is someone who grew up a Kansas City Royals fan, you know, a lot of times it's just, and, and actually, no, I think this is not really my Royals growing up a Royals fan as much as it was growing up a Royals fan who wasn't in the Kansas city area so that I never lived anywhere with a big league ball team. Yeah. Um, and so to me, every time I could go to a baseball game, whether it was the minors or the majors, for me, it was an event and it was something special. And even if it was two teams out of contention, um, I was lucky when I lived in Texas, the, the Astros were pretty good. Um, that late eighties, early nineties. And so that wasn't always the case, but you know, going to a baseball game was awesome and it, the the result didn't matter. And we went to a lot of games that weren't the Royals. I mean, this was the, you would go to the Astros games and without a rooting interest, but it was like, you know what? Watching major league baseball at the highest level is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I, I, th- I, and, think, you just, um, I think you just described every uh, Colorado Rockies game I've been to for the last six years. It's <laughs> pretty much yeah. spot on. So yeah, I. And I it's can, a great I, place to watch a game. It's a fantastic spot to watch a game. I could I could totally empathize. <laughs> How about this? I think 
that's the third oldest ballpark in the National League? It is, yeah, behind uh, Dodger Stadium and uh, Wrigley. Really? Yeah, yep, it is. I, I tweeted that out like next, uh, like because even and that's not even counting. It was the third oldest last year, uh-huh. and it wasn't. Um, and, that, and now you, you have Turner Field. And, and it wasn't even the first stadium the Rockies played in. The Rockies played a mile high for two years, right. I think, before they moved into Coors. So, yeah. And they're purple. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are obnoxious. I mean, but that's, the thing is, is like, there's no chance a team was going to be purple until the 90s. And, and yeah. so th- that is such a thing that this team's played in two stadiums, and this is the third oldest stadium in the National League. And they're purple. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they didn't end up with teal. At least the Marlins got teal. <laughs> yeah, um, you know it's like, and then the Diamondbacks tried both. <laughs> yeah. uh, De- Devil, I would say Devil Rays did both too, kind of. Yeah, kind of. They did. Devil Rays did everything. The, the, yeah. old, the old Wade oh Boggs jersey. Oh man, yeah. Lord. the Fred McGriff hat. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. Oh. Um, you know, it's like you might as well just feel like. I don't know, have the uh, rolled up pegged jeans on your uh, Rockies uniform. <laughs> denim, fake denim pegged jeans like the 94 uh, U.S. soccer team. Slot That'd bracelet with friends. Oh, those are, those, yeah, those exactly. are the best. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Man, I, I'm sorry I took this off the uh, rails when you guys were trying to get rid of me. So <laughs> oh, no. no, well, that, that just solidifies that we need to have you back as soon as possible because we could probably we could probably do another hour that is quintessential uh, reporter podcast right there trust us yeah yeah, yeah that's <laughs> good, uh, good. Right, that's right right where so we're let at. me talk about the black drop shadow on the red <laughs> here. oh the we'll best. save that for the next time because oh, i hate the, it yes oh how how great do those spring training jerseys look oh my god on the, oh, the lettering nice, on the yeah. back yeah they're yeah they look so it's much better it's not know, that hard the, how about how about last year when they wore the ninety uniforms and they had those just gorgeous hats that are just red yeah. with the white C? Yeah, imagine yeah, that. The black, you're the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a Hiroshima car pat now. It is. Oh it is. man, <laughs> it yes. is. Oh, all right. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, I apologize. No, yeah. <laughs> so uh, all right. So until until the next time that uh, Trent comes back on. Um, we will uh we will see you next time. Bye guys. <laughs>